It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Man, have we talked a lot about businesses that closed down during recessions and, and so many, right? So many shuttered during the pandemic. But what you don't often hear about is that we're actually overall in a boom time of new business formation. So, and I'm bringing this up because the brilliant Scott Galloway, he's a top-rated NYU Stern School of Business professor, entrepreneur. He started, I don't know, nine companies, hugely successful. And he has this amazing statistic that he was just telling me about. Immigrants are the original entrepreneurs. Over the past 30 years, immigrants to the U.S. have started businesses at a far greater rate than American-born citizens. And some of the biggest today, Intel, Google, eBay, Tesla, PayPal, they were all founded by immigrants. And, you know, he, he thinks it's because immigrants are willing to take risks on business because they took such huge risks just to get to this country. And children of immigrants who are born in this United States of America, they get that immigrant spirit from their parents. My guest today is a first-generation Cuban-American who realized as a kid that she had a yen for real estate, of all things. She was not going to wait till she was older to get into the business. In fact, I hope you're sitting down when you hear this. She flipped her first property at the age of 17. So... (laughs) I don't know about you, but when I was 17, I was like editing my high school yearbook and fighting with my little brother, Brooke. I was not flipping homes. Now, by the time she was a University of Miami student, she garnered her first six-figure real estate commission check. Let us hear how she did it and how she turned her passion for real estate into her brand new gig, I buried the lead, as host of Mansion Global, the brand new season of which premieres on Fox Business's prime time this month. Let's bring in Katrina Campins. Katrina, welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. I love this story. Thank you so much, Liz. And by the way, you're good. Like, that was a good intro. Thank you. That's so sweet of you. I'm actually I'm, a daughter of an immigrant. I mean, Canadian. Does Canadian immigrant count? I, I mean, you know. Of course it does. Yeah, okay. of course. That's right. Yeah. We, we have the fight and the spirit. Yes, absolutely. And I think everything you said was so on point. I actually did not realize that statistic myself. So mm-hmm. I learned something new today. But it makes perfect sense, right? is that was instilled in us in a very young age. And it's, you know, hard work, faith, and hard work works is basically what they teach you, you know. And suffering through a lot of difficulty to get what you really want. I, I, I was just so stunned by the flipping properties at 17. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've never had a guest on this podcast to accomplish that. How young were you when you first... I don't know, became aware that you had a real estate bug within you that just had to get out? Well, I'll tell you, Liz, it actually happened um, as a result of me having to figure out how to pay for my education. And I'll tell you how that happened is, you know, I'm, again, as you mentioned, first generation American. So my parents are Cuban. Um, and with that comes a lot of passion and hot blood. So I told them I wanted to get as far away from them as possible at the age of 17. <laughs> 
Well, I only applied to schools in New York. And I, quite frankly, I wanted to work on Wall Street. I wanted to be a Wall Street trader. And then I got, I, I started really getting into flipping properties. And I told them, guess what? I want to attend the University of Miami. And their answer to me was, well, you wanted to get far away from us. So now you figure out how to pay for this private university that costs a ton. Because I had so many scholarships to go to New York because, you know, I was Hispanic and I had, a, you know, a high GPA and everything else. So I started working at the University of Miami Library and they were paying me peanuts and it just wasn't adding up. I was like, this is not going to work. Plus, I was also obsessive compulsive about getting a 4.0 GPA because, of course, I was paying for my own education. Mm -hmm. So then I discovered real estate and I flipped my first property and I'm like, wow, you can make money doing this and I could pay off my loans. So that's how it started is really by necessity, quite frankly. And then I realized that it was definitely something that I I enjoyed and I love the concept of home. And I love, I think everything starts at home, family values, just everything, you know, the the generational wealth, all of it. And so I got my real estate license and I ended up staying in, you know, in Miami. So that's how it all transpired. Can I just back up a little bit to your parents and the spirit that they were able to ingrain in you. Tell me their story. So my parents, both of my parents came from well-to-do families in Cuba, but during the Castro regime, everything was stripped of them. So my grandmother, for instance, was my best friend, and she um, was raising, she was really at the time just taking care. She was a mom, and her husband was a doctor, and he died of a heart attack at age 45. Mm -hmm. And then they came to this country, and they lived in a one-bedroom apartment on Miami Beach. They've driven me by it. Three young girls. She, you know, was basically a mother of three young girls and had to figure out how to make a living in this new country. So she worked at a factory. They paid her 25 cents an hour and the girls walked to school. And basically, you know, everybody just my dad washed dishes at the Fountain Blue when he first got here. And so I think having everything and then being stripped of everything and coming to a country um, and trying to figure out how to survive. It's something that they instilled in me at a very young age. I just, I, I began to appreciate the value of a dollar at a very young age. And some in my family actually tease me now that maybe I'm too frugal or I'm, I'm all about spreadsheets nowadays because I'm like, you work hard. And I, and I have a four, I have a four-year-old, he's going to be five. And I literally have a piggy bank. And when he tells me he wants, you know, 200 dinosaurs, he's like at 170 now. I'm like, well, how much do you have in your piggy bank? You know? <laughs> These drastic park dinosaurs are getting expensive. But I think it's just instilled at you at a young age. And then obviously when you're paying for something, you value it more. And when you have to earn something, you value it more. And seeing that struggle that my parents and my grandparents went through definitely made me appreciate life. Oh, yes. And in fact, you know what I used to say to my kids when they said, Mommy, I would really like this toy or that. And I'd say, OK, how much is it? Now let's figure out with a piece of paper and a pencil how many hours somebody making minimum wage would have to work to pay for that $48 Lego set. Mm-hmm. And, and, le- and then we factored in the taxes. And, of course, they still didn't listen to me. You know, their eyes glazed over. But it, honestly, the layering on process is really important for children to understand. It is action, reaction. The action is work. The reaction is you get the money to then buy things that you feel you really want or hopefully more need. But uh, (laughs) this is exactly the kind of background that I imagine that you came from. But, you know, you talk about flipping that first piece of property at such a young age. Can you give us a little bit more granularity on how that came about? Where was it? What where'd you get the capital to purchase it? Who bought it? How did did you get nervous shouldering it for the time that you had it? All excellent questions. And in fact, um, looking back on it, 
it was really amazing how it all happened. But at the time, as I mentioned, I wanted to, you know, it's like, I'm a strong woman. I want to be at 17. I thought I knew it all. I want to work on Wall Street. And I was, uh, my boyfriend at the time, his father was a former ambassador. And he had like seen a commercial for a seminar, Flipping Properties. And he's like, oh, you guys should go. You know, when you're 17 years old, um, he was a year older. And my response to him was like, I'm going to be a Wall Street trader. And he's like, go to the seminar. So we went, I went with my arms crossed, quite frankly. Um, and I went out of, and literally I went out of there inspired and we found this house in Coconut Grove, Florida off of 27th Avenue. I remember like it was yesterday and it was owned by a little old lady and it was her nest egg, you know, and she literally couldn't sell it. And I saw all these investors just trying to be sharks, you know, trying to take advantage of her. And I was 17. So I went in there and I told her, I want to buy your house. And of course, I'm sure she looked at me like I had five heads, you know, <laughs> um, I, I had literally a. I think I had maybe $250 in my bank account. And here I am telling her, you know, I want to buy your house. And so she said to me, meet me, you know, at such and such. And it was on Miracle Mile. And I'll never forget it because you needed an ID to get in there. And you had to be at least 18 because it's like a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I begged the the guy at the front door to let me in. I was like, no, I'm here for a business meeting. I mean, looking back, all of it, <laughs> no one would believe me, right? <laughs> we have a business meeting trying to get into a bar. But I literally convinced her. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a good price for it. And then I'm going to find an investor and I'm going to flip it to them. And she's like, okay, as long as you can find an investor. And it's, it's kind of like that mentality of everybody wants what they can't have. So all of these guys were trying to take advantage of her. And then looking back, she was a smart woman too, because she utilized me as kind of a tool. You know, she, she gave me a contract. I put a hundred dollars as earnest money. Cause that's all I had. And then, an, and then I flipped it to an investor for 30,000. And then she ended up getting the number that she wanted. But looking back, had I really known what I was doing, I would have been that investor, right? That then, sure. uh, but you know what, it, one step at a time. And it was really just kind of like a, she was an amazing catalyst to, she, she gave me an opportunity. And I think that's really, she must've seen something in me. She must've been like this girl's hustling, you know, and wanted to give me that opportunity because who would, who would, you know, who would agree to that a hundred dollars of earnest money, but it worked out for her. She sold her house. I ended up flipping my first property and I ended up finding my passion in real estate. So it just happened. I think in life, Liz, sometimes you make these grand plans and then God laughs, you know, yes. like I have a different plan for you. And that is kind of what happened. But the life of being a real estate agent, no matter what your age, is very rigorous. You have to go through training, schooling, you have to pass uh, you know, tests and things like that. Um, when did you make that happen? Well, I'll tell you, everybody sees, they see people on television, for instance, they p- see people seeing, you know, selling luxury real estate rather. And you think it's glamorous and there's nothing really glamorous about the hard work that goes into it. Right. Like luxury real estate is you're on call 24 hours a day. So I got my real estate license at age 18 and I was studying international finance and marketing at the university of Miami and so I was doing it basically to pay for my education, but I still got a 4.0 in school. Um, do I sound like a dork yet? I, now I'm, <laughs> as I'm saying, I'm a dork. Um, but, but literally it was, um, yeah, it, it was so difficult because in luxury real estate and brokerage, everybody's technically your competition, right? So your colleagues are really, I mean, you're competing against everybody for commission. So people are really not going to take you under their wing and teach you because, that's just not the way that that business is made up. So I had to really learn everything on my own. And I really began to beg 
um, people to just allow me to give, give me the opportunity to do their rentals and rentals. You don't make that much money. I mean, you make 500 bucks, 600 bucks, 700 bucks, but it really taught me the industry. And then, um, a gentleman gave me an opportunity to sell his house. And that was kind of the first thing I must've been still 18, 18, I think was my, wow. my first business. Yeah. And I think when the great thing about it is that when people see you work hard, they're like, she's earning it. And so people gave me an up, but, but by no means was it easy. And I think the hardest part of luxury real estate is you're on call 24 hours a day. Like you cannot disconnect because if you disconnect, another agent will answer that call. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's so many realtors, um, especially in Florida, because everybody thinks it's an easy industry. And so many people, and there's very few barriers to entry, but it's really difficult to sustain yourself in the industry. And most people don't make money the the first few years. Well, that brings me to my question of when you started to be a little more comfortable and what what growing pains did you go through? And were there frightening moments where you thought, I don't think I'm going to make it this month? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's moments when you like literally are just crying or you're screaming, Mm -hmm. (laughs) screaming, like venting, you know, because not only there's moments also where I think, you know, we as humans sometimes tend to, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very empathetic person and maybe too empathetic in my young years. And so I basically would just give so much of my time and energy and effort and you get drained, you know, you're only human. And it's like, I realize now, you know, that I'm in my forties, like if your glass isn't full, you can't give anything to, to anyone else. Um, I was also raised by parents who are very like, they'll give you the shirt off their back. But you have to be very careful, um, especially when you're starting off in business, because if you give too much of yourself and you don't really take care of yourself, then you can end up on empty. And that happened to me so many various times in the industry where I was just I lost steam, you know, just trying to do it all. And I think people also value if you value your own time. But there were you know, I went through the 2008. Let's talk about 2008. because The collapse. Yes. And so people see like even these past few years, you know, during that pandemic, everybody got into real estate. Oh, real estate, real estate. And honestly, those were these past few years. Everybody's like, oh, my God, you must be killing it. Oh, the real estate industry. I have never had such a bad time, not because of the money, but because of everybody was in a hurry. Everybody was competing like it was just obnoxious in my mind. You know, I didn't think I didn't think it was healthy for buyers or sellers. I I like balance. Um, and it wasn't a balanced market. I don't think it was a fair market. I think even with Wall Street buying up homes, I don't think it was fair for the American people as well, like mm-hmm. taking over their ability to have home ownership, which is how we built generational wealth throughout our lifetime. So there's so many highs and lows that I've been through throughout the real estate industry. I've seen the the bads, the lows. And to be able to endure for that amount of time, I mean, it's aged me. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, yeah. guess what? Working hard to reach a successful goal really does age you. But that's why you have to exactly what you just said. You can't be taking out. If you look at yourself as a bank account, you can't be taking out and giving, giving, giving. You have to refill the beast at certain points by taking time to stop and take stock and relax just a little bit. But it it is exhausting. And it's it's definitely a rat race, especially in a high competitive uh, industry that you are in. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we'll be right back. 
I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. What was that collapse in the real estate world like for you? Well, you went from making very good money to not making you know much at all. And so what I tell people that are interested in entering the real estate market is you're, you're commission-based, right? So you need to save. Like you may have a great year, but the next two years may not be so great. And so you, and you also have so many different variables. You need to make sure you're running a business essentially. And I think people forget that. They think, oh, I'm going to be a real estate agent. You're running your own business. So you need to really understand how to finance um, and how to manage your finances because 2008 was really tough. I mean, it's kind of like what we're experiencing now in the real estate market. We went from a high, 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 and I think we're going to experience high inflation and low growth moving forward for the foreseeable future. And I think real estate agents are are definitely going to have a hard time these next few years because I don't think we're going to have the amount of sales. You know, I don't think prices are going to drop, but I don't think we're going to have I think appreciation is going to slow down, but I don't think that we're going to have the amount of sales that we've been accustomed to the past few years. So you're going to see a lot of people exit the industry mm-hmm. uh, and you see that in the, in, you know, when the market turns. Well, shakeouts are very normal in a boom and bust scenario. We get it. I, I know that I have listeners who just love your story, but they also I can almost hear them. Katrina saying, pick her brain, ask her questions. We are hitting 20-year highs on the, what, 30-year fixed mortgage rate at this point. We just reported that on my show an hour ago. Um, Where do you foresee these rates going? I know probably higher in the short term, but if somebody has a nest egg and they're ready to be a first-time homebuyer, should they buy now because these rates are going to go higher for the foreseeable future or wait? Quite frankly, as a real estate professional, you would probably expect me to say, bye, bye, bye. I wouldn't buy anything now. I think that what's going to happen is rates are going to go higher. I think that the Fed's going to continue to attempt, and I see the word attempt, um, to correct inflation through interest rates. I don't know if it's going to work if policies aren't changed, but that's a whole different topic. But with regard to real estate, I do think that rates are going to be you know, higher. And so it's going to affect so much because let's let's think about it. If you're a seller, right, and you have a mortgage and you've locked in three percent, four percent, what's your incentive to move? You don't have much. None. You're going to pay more money. You know, there's no. So I think people are going to actually improve their homes rather than move. And I say this as a real estate professional, so I'm being you know as raw and true um, as I feel in my heart. I also think that the fact that builders 
have stopped building. You know, they didn't build for a very long time because one, they didn't expect millennials to enter the industry. And millennials for some time were not entering, I should say, the, the home buying space. And since then they have, right? And so we are at an all time low for supply. The supply is very low True. and the population continues to grow. And builders right now um, are, you know, have really stopped a lot of their new home starts because they've realized that it's going to be more expensive for buyers to build. So I think we're going to be, we're in such weird time in housing. It's not like 2008 and the 2008 crash is not going to happen because I get asked that question all the time. I think what's going to happen is there's just going to be very low growth when it comes to real estate. Yeah, makes sense. And and well, I think about Miami, your your home market. Oh my gosh. What the hell? It's crazy there. Everybody is in this rush to snap up those properties. Uh, would you buy in Miami luxury right now? I'll tell you what's happening in South Florida. And and to my own, I mean, I was amazed myself because had you told me years ago that we would be seeing the numbers that we're seeing in Miami, I would I would have told you Liz that yeah, I, you know, no. <laughs> and yet they're getting higher and higher. And so single family prop, like single family homes in South Florida, in particular in Palm Beach, I think there will continue to be sales, not to the same frenzied degree that we saw the past few years, but people are still migrating here. And I don't think that that's going to stop. I think people will continue to to come here because of the taxes and the quality of life and so forth. And I don't think, you know, I've been asked also, well, the, you know, what about hurricanes? Well, we've had hurricanes forever here. You just get used to it. You plan for it um, the same way that they have earthquakes in California. So I see I see Florida continuing to to do well, maybe not to the same degree that we saw the past few years. When's the next Florida going to pop itself up? And I say Florida, I mean Miami. What's the next undiscovered hot housing market that you look at and say, you know, nobody's looking at, well, I don't know, Youngstown, Ohio, whatever it may be. Well, I'll tell you, for Mansion Global, we traveled around the entire United States and we went to so many different markets. And I think there's still parts of Florida, quite frankly, that people haven't discovered, you know, like basically at the West part of Florida was like Sarasota, Tampa, you know, all of that definitely boomed. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also little pockets within Florida, little towns and so forth that people haven't discovered yet. So I would say keep an eye on Florida. Um, I went to Tennessee um, to film Mansion Global, and I was really impressed. I have to say, I understand why so many people are buying in Nashville and Franklin. And because it is, you have old school values there is what I noticed. You know, men still open the door. It's like, please and thank you. Yes, ma'am. And I was like, what? Where am I? <laughs> I love this place, you know? And so I love the values there. And well, there's also felt- university culture there. You've got University yeah. of Tennessee. You've got uh, big action, big business there, and uh, a low tax rate. So businesses are moving there. I think Tennessee has so much opportunity. I think Oklahoma, you know, people are like Oklahoma. I see, I think Oklahoma has opportunity for glo- growth. Um, Tennessee, let's see, where else did we visit um, that I loved? I mean, Jackson Hole, but that's not cheap, you know. Um, But yeah, I I just think that's that some of those areas I found out. We went to South Carolina filming and I found it. I just thought South Carolina, North Carolina were booming. But I think it's like already discovered, you know, people. Katrina, you are launching your show. We're so excited to welcome you to the Fox Business family. Uh, Make your pitch to our listeners. 
So what I love about Mansion Global is we're premiering October 19th, back-to-back episodes, one at eight and one at 8.30, is the fact that I've been doing this, right, for 22 years, but now I get to give people an inside look into some of the most exquisite, exotic homes all over the country. And people love real estate. You know, I've, I've realized that is they love an inside look. And I think that I became quite jaded because I do this every day. But now being able to give an inside look to some pretty amazing properties and, and just some of the trends, too, that people are seeing in real estate. Like, what do you see? Also, multi-generational living has become very popular. So how, do, how are people doing that? How is everybody kind of living together, but still giving each other space, you know, so we, we showcase that as well. And it's fun and the lifestyle. And I'm just really excited to be part of the Fox family, because obviously Fox has always had a very special place in my heart. I've been doing segments on the, you know, the network now for, for 20 years. So I feel like I'm part of the family, but it's good to officially be part of the family now. And I <laughs> wonderful people like you, Liz. Oh, listen, we are so thrilled to have you. And uh, I love Mansion Global. And good luck, best of luck, and we just think your story is so inspirational. Thank you for sharing it, Katrina. Thank you for the opportunity, and keep shining yourself, Liz. I love what you're doing. Oh, you're such a sweetheart. Thank you. It's every day. And you know what? I walk in every day, and I'm sure you do the same. I look at my chair at my desk, and I say to myself, you have to earn that seat every day. Mm -hmm. Every day you earn it. And you work hard, so you deserve it. Good to see you. Good to hear you. And uh, we're cheering you on, Katrina. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Liz. I hope you guys watch that show. They show some of the most exquisite properties. And no, could I afford them? Uh, No. However, you get so many ideas. We love the word aspirational here on this podcast. You can aspire to certain things and then do the cheap and chic version, which is exactly what I did when I was rehabbing my home that we bought that was such a near teardown. It wasn't even funny. That was actually, I swear to God, a small animal fell from the ceiling. There was a nest of squirrels living in the ceiling. This house had been abandoned, but I just looked at all of the shelter magazines and the fancy, fancy websites and, of course, Mansion Global, and I came up with ideas and found the cheaper way to do it. So there, you guys, you got to watch your money if you're going to buy these great houses, right? You do that Monday through Friday, tuning in 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox Biz. That's the claim and countdown. I'll see you then. And thanks again so much. I love you guys for tuning in every week to our incredible stories of success. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.